Our scripture reading tonight is from Genesis chapter 50, verses 25 and 26. Genesis chapter 50, verses 25 and 26. And Joseph took an oath of his children of the children of Israel, saying, Surely God will visit you, and you will carry my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him and put him in a coffin in Egypt. It's the book of beginnings. The book of beginnings is the book of Genesis, and you all know that that word Genesis means beginning. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's a wonderful beginning, isn't it? It's a wonderful beginning, and you look at creation, and you think about an all-powerful God who had this great and masterful plan, and he begins to lay it out. God has no beginning, but in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, we see the start of time. We see the beginning of the world. And so... You see all the way through the book of Genesis, and tonight I'm counting on you having some familiarity with the book of Genesis, with the main events and with some of the main characters, because I want to leave the beginning and I want to go to the end of the book of beginnings. And I want to pick up there in Genesis chapter 50, and there at the end of the book of Genesis, we find the life of Joseph is coming to an end. And isn't it amazing? that Joseph had so much confidence in God that he says to his people, look, I know, as Brother Steve read for us a moment ago, I know that God is surely going to visit us. He's certainly going to visit you, rather. And when he does, he's going to allow you to leave this land of Egypt, and we're going to go, you're going to go into this promised land, and when that happens, please, 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 don't leave my bones in Egypt. Carry my bones with you. Get them out of this land. Carry them with you to the promised land that I know God is going to bless you with and God is going to provide. Well, as you know, in Exodus chapter 13, the Bible says that they carried, in verse number 19, they did carry the bones of Joseph out of that land. They got him out of Egypt, the body, the bones out of Egypt, around 400 years later, and to the promised land eventually where they would be buried. I want to look at the end. I want to back up actually to verse number 22, and I want to see some things from the life of Joseph, and then I want to see three remarkable lessons that we learn about God. In Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 22, the Bible says, So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation, the children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, who were brought up on Joseph's knees. And then we get to the, the promise again of God and taking his bones up out of the land of Egypt. I want you to notice a couple of very interesting things that really jump off the page in these couple of verses concerning Joseph. Number one, the Bible says that Joseph was in Egypt. In verse number 22, Joseph dwelt in Egypt. Now these are some foundational thoughts that I think will do good 
that we can build upon in just a moment. But we ask ourselves, what in the world is Joseph doing in Egypt? Why are God's people down there at all? Why is he dwelling in Egypt? Well, again, I'm not going to lay it all out for you because you understand that he didn't get there by choice. He didn't get to choose to, to wind up in Egypt. It was not his choice to, wind, to, to get there in the first place. You go back to Genesis chapter 37 and you understand that his older brothers, 10 of his older brothers, are going to throw him into a pit. They're going to kill him. And Reuben comes running and says, don't kill him, don't kill him. And then he goes off. I don't know where he went. But by the time he got back, Joseph was up out of the pit, sold to Ishmaelite traders, and on his way to Egypt. Joseph was 17 years old. He didn't choose to go to Egypt. His brothers chose for him. His brothers chose for him that he would end up in Egypt. And yet here he's going to live 110 years in total. And he is going to die in the land of Egypt. But he's dwelling there. And that's what the Bible says. But he's not dwelling there alone. In Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 22 that he is dwelling in Egypt. And he is dwelling with his father's household. Now, I just told you that his father's household sold him into slavery. They're the ones responsible. They threw him in a pit. They were going to kill him, and they sell him to these traders all the way to Egypt. Joseph didn't choose to go to Egypt. It was chosen for him by his father's household. And so isn't it amazing that in the end, he is dwelling in Egypt with his father's household? If you just saw the end, You'd have to go burning back and you would say, how did this happen? Well, this is how it happened in a nutshell. This screen tells us how it happened. And again, I'm going to count on you to have some knowledge. And if you don't, jot these things down and know that Joseph was sold by, by his brothers to these traders and ultimately made it to Egypt where he was sold into the home of a man named Potiphar. Potiphar had some kind of rule within the land of Egypt. But Potiphar's wife... Potiphar's wife cast longing eyes at Joseph and wanted to lie with Joseph. And Joseph said, no, I will not lie with you. And she got him in a bunch of trouble. She lied to her husband about Joseph's intentions. And eventually, Joseph is going to wind up in prison. He's going to be there for a number of years. And what we find is that while he is in prison, a couple of uh, former servants of Pharaoh uh, have dreams and Joseph, using God, is able to, through God, is able to interpret these prisoners' dreams. And eventually, years later, he's brought before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh recognizes, because Joseph was able to interpret one of his dreams, that there's something in, in Joseph, there's something very special about Joseph. And Joseph works his way up to be second in command over all the land of Egypt. Brethren and friends, if that's not the hand of God then I don't know what is. To find this providence and the way that God worked through the life of Joseph, this is what we find. And so it is amazing in one verse, verse number 22, Joseph is dwelling in Egypt and he's dwelling with his father's household. If you only know the beginning of the story, you say there's no way that's the way it ends. And knowing the end of the story, you still kind of scratch your head and say, it is amazing what God can do. We learn great things through the life of Joseph. There are some things at the end of Genesis that I really want us to think about. The life of Joseph is a story of faithfulness. 
I ask, I ask you the question, why? Why did Joseph, being 17 years old, sold into a foreign land against his will, not by his own choosing, by those that should have loved him the most in his own home, why would he remain faithful to God? Evan led the song, and I appreciate Evan and his, his willingness to lead tonight. Farther along, I didn't ask him to lead that song, but I was thinking about this as, he was, as we were singing it. Farther along. You know, the life of Joseph is all about farther along. Well, tempted and tried, we're all made to wonder, why? Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Why am I experiencing this? Farther along, we'll know all about it. Genesis chapter 37, things are bleak when he is sold into slavery. But by the time you get to the end, he's going to live 110 years. He's going to be the second most powerful man in the land of Egypt. He's going to have helped all of his people survive a great famine and the rest of the world. And he's going to do great things through the hand of God. Why did he remain faithful to God? I want to ask that question tonight. But I also want to know and be reminded that the life of Joseph is a life of forgiveness. In chapter 50 and verse number 19, their father dies. Jacob dies. And in verse number 19, you find the, the brothers have come now to Joseph and they're all concerned. Well, dad died and so now he's going to get his revenge. Now he's going to take it out on us. But Joseph said to his brothers in verse 19, don't be afraid. For am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Twice in two verses, he tells his brothers, don't worry, don't be afraid. I'm going to handle this. I'm going to take care of you. And he spoke kindly to them. It's a story of forgiveness. A story of faithfulness and a story of forgiveness. And this is all made possible because of who he knew God to be. Now before we get to these three lessons concerning God, I want to share this slide with you and give you just a little bit of family history. I, uh, Mike mentioned a few weeks ago that he's not a, a family history guy that he's not traced his lineage back very far. Well, same here, right? That's not really been my cup of tea, and I know for some of you it is, and I appreciate that about you. But here, here's a little family history for Joseph. So in the, in the book of Genesis, as you know, you've got these main characters. You've got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then after Jacob, you've got Joseph, the son of Jacob, one of the sons of Jacob. And so Abraham lives to be a, an old man, and I want you to know that Jacob was 15 years old when Abraham died, if we do the math and run this lineage out. So Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. Now, you ever live close to your grandparents? Did you live close to your grandparents or have a, a grandparent figure in your life that you looked up to? I did. And I would go to my grandpa and I'd say, hey, grandpa, tell me stories about growing up. Grandpa, tell me, tell me about what it was like when you were a kid. Tell me what it was like when you were growing up. Tell me stories about your life. And I'm just fascinated by the fact that Jacob could have been 15 years old and spent some time around his grandpa, Abraham. And Abraham could have been sharing stories about God and about his life with his grandson. I think that's remarkable. Well, then you have Isaac. Abraham, Isaac. 
Isaac the son of Abraham. Isaac, again, the father of Jacob. Isaac lives to be, uh, or Jacob is 120 when Isaac, his father, dies. And so you've got 120 years again where Isaac is able to tell story after story about God and about how God dealt with him and stories and events in his life about the power of God and all that God was about a long time. And then Isaac dies when Joseph was 29. Remember how old Joseph was when he went into Egypt? 17. So that means for all of those 17 years before Joseph goes into slavery in Egypt, that means that for that amount of time, his grandfather Isaac could have been around some. He could have spent some time with Grandpa Isaac, and Isaac could have been telling him about God and about these events that you and I read about in the book of Genesis. Joseph could have heard these firsthand from his grandpa. Well, that's pretty, pretty special because I, I first asked the question, why did he stay faithful? What did he know about God as a 17-year-old when he went to Egypt? And this slide tells me that he would have heard stories, that he would have known about God, that what we read about in the book of Genesis, so many of these things, it could have been told him firsthand about God. I want to start tonight by saying that you who are grandparents, Tell your grandchildren about what God has done for you in your life. Tell them stories about growing up and tell them stories about how the world was and, and what did you do. I was telling Alan some stories yesterday. We were sitting watching a ball game and I was telling him some stories about when I was his age and a baseball player that I went and met. And, and on behalf of the Kansas City Royals, I apologize to this baseball player because they didn't sign him back. So I took it upon myself to do that. But we were, I tell him stories about growing up. But don't just tell them stories about growing up. Tell them about what God has done for you in your life. Tell them about why you're faithful to God. About what, what keeps you going. Why do you go to church every Sunday, Grandma? Why do you go to church every Sunday night, Grandpa? Why is it that you're faithful to God? What is it about God that's special to you? Tell your children and grandchildren stories about what God has done for you in your life. I think that Joseph remained faithful to God because he heard stories, because he was reminded about God and who God is. I think it's important that we just bring that out from this text. Here at the end, he's 110 years old. He has lived a life of faithfulness to God. He has taken it upon himself to forgive his brothers who have wronged him so badly, and all of that on the foundation of God and who God is. Share the story. Tell who God is. Number one, tell about God's power. I believe that he stayed faithful to God because he understood from a young age how powerful God is. I want my children, I want grandchildren, I want all of us to understand and know and never doubt the power of God. That's brought out from Genesis 1 and verse 1, isn't it? All the way to the beginning, you know, Joseph could have been told about God and creation. Now, Moses hadn't written the Pentateuch yet. The book of Genesis isn't written yet. So he's not turning to Genesis 1 and verse 1. He's living the book of Genesis. And yet he knows that there is a God who is all-powerful who created the heavens and the earth. There is a God who made a soul within him with the value that we talked about this morning. 
He knew about God and the power of God. A God who, create, who could create the heavens and the earth. And then a God who flooded the earth. No doubt Joseph had heard these stories. No doubt these things had been told him from the time that he was just a little boy. Grandpa Abraham maybe told Jacob that, uh, that God, God provided a son for me when I was 100 years old. Jacob, do you know that I was 100 years old when your daddy was born? Can you believe that? You ever seen a, a Nova 100-year-old man who, who had a child? You know, your grandma, she was 90 years old when she gave birth to your dad. Can you believe that, Jacob? She was 90 years old when your dad was born. You know how that's possible? That's only possible because there's an all-powerful God. He'd tell stories like that, no doubt. And Joseph would hear of these stories, and he would know of the power of God. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15, and just see that this promise is made. And be reminded about what the Bible has to say to us. In Genesis chapter 15, again, if you're taking notes, jot these down and go back and rehash them. Sometimes we, we read and we say, okay, I got it, and we keep going. But there's something here. In Genesis chapter 15, picking up in verse 1, the Bible says that after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Isn't that a great verse? God says, don't worry about it, Abraham. I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. I am the all-powerful God. Lord, verse 2, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, look, you've given me no offspring, and one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this one shall not be your heir. But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And verse 6, And he believed the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Don't be afraid, Abraham. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And years later, don't you know he's still telling the story. So I was there. And God said I would have an heir, and, and he brought me outside, and he said, Abraham, look up, count the stars if you can number them, so shall your descendants be. And I believed him. I believed God when he said that. Isaac, I believed it when God told me that. Jacob, I believed it when God told me that. And that's exactly how it happened. It's so important for us to talk about these things. To know of God's power. Then I want you to think about God's mercy. I want you to think about God's mercy. Because this is also brought out at the end of Genesis. But it's shown all the way through the book of Genesis. Certainly it's there in the life of Joseph. But it's there throughout the lives of all who lived in the book of Genesis. And of course we know beyond the book of Genesis. So again, Abraham, he's able to tell stories. He's reminded of what it, what it would have been like because he's heard about it from his ancestors, about the flood. And he knows the wickedness of man. And he knows that God decided to destroy the world. But then he's also heard of, of Noah. And he knows that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Yeah, he knows about this. Now turn over to chapter 19 in the book of Genesis. And look at verse number 16 about the mercy of God. I know how merciful God was. He saved Noah. He saved his family. 
He has repopulated the earth. And so all of this is going on. And then we get to Genesis chapter 19. And here we see that Sodom is going to be destroyed. In chapter 18, Abraham has pleaded with God, if you can find even ten righteous people, will you please not destroy the cities of the plain? God said, if we can find ten righteous people, we'll not destroy the city of the plain. But they couldn't find ten righteous people. And so here is the mercy of God in chapter 19. The Bible says in verse number 15, that when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hands, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside of the city. God was merciful to Lot and to his wife and to his two daughters, grabbing them by the hand and ushering them out of the city to safety. The Lord is merciful. Our God is a God of mercy. I'm asking, why did Joseph stay with God? Why did he remain faithful when he was so wickedly carried away into captivity? Why did he stay faithful to God? Now he's hundreds of miles from home. He is uh, surrounded now by polytheism. Uh, everybody's got a different God. He's outside of his culture. Why did he stay with God? I think it's stories like this, stories of God's mercy. Joseph knew from a young age about the mercy of God. And so he stayed with God. Isaac, in Genesis chapter 22, you know... Uh, for 17 years, Joseph could have around, been close to or, or somewhere around his grandpa Isaac. And firsthand, his grandpa Isaac could have told him about the events of Genesis 22. Joseph, there we were. My dad said we were going to go over and we were going to worship. And we were, I was carrying wood on my back. And my dad had a knife in his hand and fire. And we left the servants and we went over onto that mountain, Mount Moriah. My dad tied me up and laid me down. And I watched as he took a knife and he raised it in the air. And he started to bring it down. Before he did, though, I heard the voice of God tell him to stop. Abraham, Abraham, do not kill your son, your only son whom you love. And, and Isaac could have told his grandson Joseph, Joseph, we, he, he untied me and I got up and we looked over in the thicket and there was a ram caught by the horns and we offered that to God instead. I'm just suggesting to you, I'm not adding to what the scriptures say, I'm just suggesting to you that the timeline suggests or states that it's possible that Joseph heard these things firsthand from those who were there. And I'm telling you that it is these things potentially that helped him remain faithful to God. He knew about the power that only God possesses, and he knew about the mercy of God. This is all there and why he remained faithful to God and how he was able to forgive his brothers in the end. The final thing that I want us to realize from, about God from the book of Genesis and its conclusion is the faithfulness of God and his promises. The faithfulness of God and His promises. He is an all-powerful God. He is an all-merciful God. 
and he is a God of promise. What did Joseph know about God as he was carried away from his home into captivity in Egypt? What did he know about God? No doubt he knew about the rainbow in the cloud and what it meant. He knew that that was a sign of God and his promise never to flood the earth with water again. And so he knew that God had made that promise and firsthand he had been told all his life about that rainbow and what that represented. The promise of God. Oh yeah, he knew. He knew about the promise that was made to Abraham. I will make of you a mighty nation, a great nation. I will put my name among you and your descendants will be like the stars of the heavens. Will you turn with me to chapter 17 in the book of Genesis? And I want you to just think about this with me. Just think about it with me. In Genesis chapter 17, in verse number 5, God comes to Abraham and he says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you. See, a promise. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, you keep reading a little further. As for you, Abraham, God says, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant. See, covenant, covenant, covenant. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male child in your generations, he who was born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. He who was born in your house and he who was bought with your money must be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Promise, promise, promise. I promise, Abraham, that I'm going to give land to you and your descendants. That's the second half of that slide. The promise is made to Abraham, the promise is made to Isaac, the promise is made to Jacob. Why did Joseph not want his bones left in Egypt? Because he knew a promise was made of land to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he knew that God was a God who keeps promises. And if God said that's going to be your land, that will be your land. And so get my bones out of Egypt and up to that land. There's something else in Genesis 17 that I think is very important as to why Joseph remained faithful to God. And it's circumcision. He's 17 years old when he gets taken away from home. That means he's older than eight days. That means that eight days after Joseph was born, he was circumcised. And he would have remained that way forever. This is a sign of the covenant of the people of God. And I'm not saying this to be uh, ugly or crude in any way. 
But there was something on the body, within the body of Joseph, that reminded him of who he was. That he was a child of God's people. That he really was not an Egyptian. He could dress like an Egyptian. As we know later with his brothers, he could talk like an Egyptian. He could speak the Egyptian's language. But he knew in his body that he was not an Egyptian. He was a part of God's family. I think that's really important to bring out. Why did he stay faithful? Because he knew who he was. He knew where he came from. He knew of the promises of God. Tonight, I want to be reminded of the power of God and the mercy of God and the promises of God. And I am reminded in Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, that in baptism, it's a spiritual circumcision. That's what Paul says. That in baptism, we, our old man of sin is cut away. It is put off, not by us, but by God. God performs that surgery. God takes care of that. Through the blood of Christ, our sins are forgiven. That is a powerful God who is merciful and keeps his promises. In a land? Well, just go to the book of Hebrews and read about that land. Joshua led them into the land, but they would remain faithful to God, and so they weren't able to remain in that rest. But there is a rest that is for us today, a rest for those who are children of God. God keeps his promises, and there is a land that is waiting for us who remain faithful to him. The book of beginnings has such a great ending. There's so much there at the end that you and I would do so well to keep hold of. Our faith in God should never waver. Our God is an all-powerful God, a God who is able to create the heavens and the earth, and a God who is waiting for us and takes care of us providentially even still today. A God who is all-merciful, who even as Thomas read for us from Ephesians chapter 2, we read about the mercy of God connected to the cross of Christ. God's mercy extended to us who are sinners. I'll save you. I'll save you. I have a way for you to be saved. And if you'll remain faithful to me, here's a promise. I'll give you the crown of life. I'll take you home. Jesus made a promise in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Will you remain faithful to God? Where should we go? The brothers were all concerned. He's going to get his revenge. And Joseph says, I'm not about revenge. Because now I'm farther along. Now I know all about it. Now I know what God had in mind and what the plan was all along. And providentially, we got to where we needed to be. Tonight, will you stay faithful to God? Will you stay with God? 
Will you be faithful to him for the rest of your life? Isn't it amazing that, that the boy that went from the pit at 17 years old into this land that he didn't know and in this culture that he was not familiar with and he's carried hundreds of miles from home and he, he doesn't know if he'll ever see his father again. He doesn't know if he'll ever see Benjamin again. He doesn't know if he'll ever see the other brothers again. The conclusion, he's bouncing his grandchildren on his knee. Isn't God good? God saw him all the way to the end. And he'll see you to the end too, and he'll see me. Let us stay with him. Let us remain faithful. Tonight, if you're not a child of God, then won't you become one? Don't, don't leave here tonight with questions. If you have questions, let's answer them. Let's open our Bibles together and, and find the answers. But tonight, if you're ready to become a child of God, and you know what you must do to be saved, then won't you please respond? The Lord's invitation is extended, and he would desire for you to come. Do you believe tonight that he is the Son of God? Are you willing to make that confession? To repent of sin in your lives? To be baptized? To allow God to perform that surgery to cut your sin off? Tonight you can be forgiven and you can be a child of God. As a Christian tonight, maybe you've wandered away. Maybe you've not been faithful. And maybe tonight you need the prayers of the church or we can help you in any other way. Please come while together we stand and while we sing.